Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast. My name is Anna. I was born in one of the former Soviet republics, raised in a small yet very unique country in the Middle East, and have been living in the U.S. for almost 20 years. I've always been curious about different languages, cuisines, music, and traditions. I also always had a desire to help people become their best self. I invite you to join me on an adventure throughout the world as I discover immigrants' stories, learn about new cultures, and together we find new ways to help immigrants unlock their potential. So, hi, Eric. Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast. Thanks so much for joining the series of Startup Immigrants. Tell us a little bit about hey, nice. yourself and where are you coming nice from? You. Cool, cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm I'm born in Austria. I'm, I'm Austrian. I, I grew up in Vienna, where I went to school, um, where I did my my degrees, and, and then I fell in love and moved to Spain to Madrid, and uh, yeah, started my career there, working for uh, different companies. Went back to Austria a little bit to, yeah, uh, you know, work as well, and then went back to Spain and then started my career in product development in in the consulting basically in consulting and um, I I started to to work for a company called Inspiralia it's a new product development company and um, heavily focused on, on on helping companies raise funds for product development and that time Inspiralia was a market leader in Europe helping small businesses all over Europe to chase funds and grants that are issued and paid out by the European Commission. And I, I joined them because I had a German-Austrian background and um, I'm, I'm passionate in, uh, passionately, well, I'm a passionate business developer in say that way, and I helped them to, to open up the German-speaking market. And yeah, that brought me back to Austria, actually, um, but mostly, you know, for work and yeah, we, we built up the market there, opened several uh, collaborations. We, we established uh, pretty well there and the business boomed and that brought up the idea, hey, we should actually do what we do in Europe, in the US. Um, and I was one of them that moved over here to build the company basically from scratch to replicate what we had going on in Europe. And uh, we chose Miami that time. That was an easy sell because the company is Spanish and everybody speaks Spanish in Miami. Uh, plus, there's uh, at that time at least that was pre-COVID. There was like seven, eight direct flights a day between Madrid and and, and Spain um, and Miami. So that was what brought me to Miami, and I'm still here now. I'm, I'm north of Lauderdale, which is like 50 minutes from Miami, and I'm here since. So. Yeah, that's what brought me here. Actually, building up a company, just not my company. I, I was just an employee, um, but I, I got to really build the company from scratch, hire the people. We ended up being a team of thirty employees working from Miami, Mexico, Madrid, uh, just for the U.S. market, and it was pretty exciting. Um, that business uh, made me travel a lot, meet a lot of incubators and accelerators, deal with many startups, help them raise funds. And yeah, and here I am now. So in, um, yeah, started to, well, I started with several side business that time, um, business that were not really well, related to the business that I, that we had going on in Inspiralia. I was always making sure of that. Um, 
but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I try things. If it's not interesting for the company I work for, then I still want to try it uh, on my side. And I built several side businesses. Some of them worked. Some of them were just hobbies. And um, yeah, and in April, actually this April is when I really became a full-time founder because the side businesses that I had going on, like one of them grew eventually and to a dislike of my company at that time, of Inspiralia. And they basically um, did not like that. Uh, they have a leader in the company that has a different, uh, you know, focus. And I, I get that because you want somebody that is really focused in the company. At that time, my side business was taking off. And um, so we had a, um, yeah, April was that month where I became a full-time founder. And it was really needed because that was the best decision ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations on your yeah. uh, business. And it uh, sounds like you've moved around and immigrated a lot for good reasons, not because you were forced to, for work, right. for love. Um, but despite moving around and immigrating for um, your from your desire, what were some difficulties in um, those different immigrations you've had? Uh, difficulties was aware um job markets so when i moved to spain that was 2011 2012 and spain you know i mean that was just two three years after the big crisis and, and spain was hit pretty hard so when i moved to madrid everything was you know um uh empty empty places you saw a lot of empty apartments um a lot of people you know looking for jobs a lot of young people uh, unemployment rate in I think uh, people under 30 years old were like, what, almost 50% uh, at one time. And that was a little bit challenging because, I mean, I moved down there to, to start a career. And then I had definitely less opportunities there than I would have had in Austria, which is one of the reasons why I went back to Austria to get some some experience. And then I moved back to my girlfriend at that time. And, and, uh, and then... God thanks, I, I met the right company. They believed in me and um, and I grew there, even though it was not the best time. And now, now it's different. Madrid is really uh, flourishing. It's, it's growing. It's a lot of companies down there. So it's great to see that. It wasn't that easy at the very beginning. And then in the US, it's, um, it is, uh, it's very different. <laughs> it's very different. Um, and uh, it's, it's good and bad. Uh, it really depends on, on what you're looking for comparing to 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 Europe right there's many things that are very different um, one thing that's really very well or that's working very well here is um, how easy it is to do business and how easy it is to uh, to to build a company that is like you know there's not as many regulations as, as there are in Europe and makes it easy to to just uh, become a father try it out and you don't have to like there's a, there's not a lot of payments you have to do to become a founder like when you for example become a founder in Spain you have a lot of uh, social security you have to pay for yourself and it's it's a it's a pain you know um, you don't have that here yeah that's side, an interesting point <laughs> it's an interesting point because a lot of people that I talk to here in the U.S. who are entrepreneurs or want to become entrepreneurs always have that fear that it's so hard. There is so much paperwork and red tape. And yeah. I think it's a good message to them. Like you're in a better place because it's so much harder in Europe and in other places. But other than job market, what are some other 
things like difficulties that you faced as an immigrant, but also as an immigrant entrepreneur in the U.S.? Um, honestly, I, I think that, I mean, it, it does depend a little bit on on the kind of surrounding you are in. Um, the tech world and the startup world is very international. So that is, I'm definitely not in a, in a, in a, in an industry that is, uh, where immigrants are, you know, in the minority, right? So, you know, many and tech founders, successful entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of Asian, Indian backgrounds, a lot of European, and, um, that, that kind of makes, makes it a little bit easier, I think. Right. And then, um, the fun thing is for me it was a little bit more difficult to 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 connect in Spain because um uh was not that open minded as, as as the US is. US is a country of immigrants, which is in my opinion this it's it was a little bit easier there. And I felt like unlike some some immigrant founders, I, I had I, I got lucky I guess. Um I also I never had problems finding clients or I was always scared of like my accent and is that an issue? People think maybe I'm not from here um, and and everything. But I, I it actually wasn't a real big issue for me. So, yeah. That's so really that is, great uh, to hear. Accent is something that yeah. I've struggled with and I, a lot of people I've interviewed on this podcast are a little more shy to present and I've met some founders in DC Startup Week um, last year that told me that they were scared to pitch because of their accent and they asked right. na- a native speaker on their team to to pitch to founder to uh, VCs. Right, yeah, yeah, I get that co- completely, totally. And I, I, you know, the funny thing is um, when I moved here to build the consulting business, we... We, we were selling a very, very local product or service. So what we did is we would approach startups and tech companies, American tech companies, that, well, we would approach them and we would convince them to work with us because what we were selling is fundraising services for local government grants. So, um, like, we would convince the Department of Defense to invest in this company, basically. That, that's what we do. And we did that by proposal writing, by presenting R and D plans and everything. So it's a very, it's a very American uh, environment, right? You have to deal with the Department of Defense. You have to deal with, with, with American companies. It could not be foreign owned, so they were really U.S. companies. And and here is um, an Austrian guy <laughs> with a, a, a Spanish consulting group selling something completely local and claims to be the best in it. And it's, and that was, that was difficult, but, um, it, it was, um, or actually I thought it was difficult. I thought it would be way more difficult, but we had really good, um, uh, door openers. We had people supporting us. We partnered, we found the best way to partner with incubators and accelerators. Um, and they would open the doors, uh, just because that service wasn't really existing. So we had to find a, definitely something that, that wasn't really offered uh, locally. And, and then we had an amazing track record from Europe, which helped because it was very a very similar process. Um, and even that worked, you know. So <laughs> at the end, um, uh, it, it worked, yeah. 
I think what that's my my take is if if I partner up with a company, if I you know I I want to know if it's, I don't I don't mind if the company is already owned or what I, what I want what I want to know want to know is are the people that I work with or that I partner up with are they close? You know, can I call them at the same time? So, I mean, plus minus three hours is fine, but are they close? Can I visit them if there's something going on? Like with when you, especially in consulting, right? It's a very personal, um, it's a very personal service. It's a, it's you know you have to be close with them, you, uh, with the clients. You have to eventually see them. Um, so I think as long as 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 you as people know you are here in the U.S., um, I think it's not as as big of an issue. Yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah, so they 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 consider you almost an American, you know, even though you have everybody has accent, everybody has different backgrounds. And I think that's that's what what makes America yeah. great, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you gotta be. I think they. People need to know that you're here. If you if you're just selling something, if you're here on a business trip and you sell something, and, and you you work out of a European entity in Europe, maybe that is a little bit uh, more difficult to sell. Yeah, definitely. So it's been almost what more than six months for you since you started your own uh, business. How has yeah. been the journey? Yeah. What are some lessons uh, that you learned, or some tips that you could share with us? It's it's great actually. Um, I. I got into this in December 2022, um, just uh, because uh, friends reached out for help, and uh, I had a very, I maintained a very big net network of engineers in Latin America, and uh, there's a lot of uh, tech companies here in the U.S. that are tired of outsourcing. They are tired of you know uh, dealing with with outsourcing solutions that are really plus eight, uh, nine hours away from you, um, despite of the cost advantage it has. So um, I think I see generally a trend to, to hire again locally or uh, in the same time zone in Latin America. And I, you know, I because of my previous job, many companies came, came to me and asked me or friends came to me, hey, do you guys, you do product development consulting. So do you guys know great engineers I can hire? And and we were focusing on product development, but fundraising. So it wasn't really, um, uh, it wasn't really that uh, we could help them a lot. But I, I do, I did know engineers in Latin America, and I was just connected them, and and they started to work with them, and they were super happy. Same time zone, um, there's great talent in Latin America. So that led me to like, you know, come up with the idea that I should do something with this because um, uh, I, I know very great engineers. I know that uh, there's a lot of companies in the U.S. that look to look, looking to hire in the same time zone. Uh, there's a lot of uh, great talent in Latin America. So I, I built a company that is basically uh, more than just a bridge. It is really a full solution now for U.S. companies or Canadian companies to hire locally in, in Latin America hire engineers to build a full team of engineers, um, mostly engineering positions, uh, mostly focusing on product development positions from developers, architects, designers, machine learning engineers. And what what my company does is we provide a pool of talent that we have completely vetted. But then also what we do is we do the local compliance, the payroll, 
Um, we give our companies the option to hire them with employment contract, um, provide healthcare equipment. So it, it turned into a full solution, actually. That's and, awesome. Uh, so you're not step. only yeah. helping customers in the U.S. and Canada, but you're also creating jobs and helping people in Latin America. It sounds like yeah, entrepreneurship, exactly. but also a social aspect to it. Right, right. And we also try to, well, we pay very well. Um, we like what my company is about is, uh, is always the, the focus is not, I mean, it's, I shouldn't say this officially, the focus is of course on the client, but we have a lot of focus on, on, on the engineers because we know they get 500 <laughs> requests on LinkedIn uh, every day looking for, for companies, looking to work with them. Um, uh, because we all know software engineers, software engineering talent is hard to find, even despite of layoffs that we have right now here in the U S um, so, so we want, what we're doing is we build a, a really strong community. We, we pay them well. We try to get them together now. That's something we're getting into. Uh, hasn't have, hasn't happened in the past, but now I hired a, a, a phenomenal HR manager and community builder. And she's for locally Medellin, for example, this is where we're going to establish our hub. And, um, and what we're going to do is we, we, we will establish several hubs in Buenos Aires in in Medellin, in, uh, in Bogota. Eventually, Mexico City, this is something uh, we'll have to look into. And we do want to create community there. And we believe that by providing that and, and a strong community feeling within the engineers, um, we, uh, we will have really good engineers to stay with us. And our clients are the ones that benefit from that, right? Because they, they get excellent engineering services. And, and yes, so it's, it has both, both sides. Yeah, we have both sides, basically. That's awesome. So what is your advice for someone who is wanting to start their own company, but is scared to do that? Um, well, YouTube videos <laughs> it really helps a lot. And uh, you don't need a lawyer to create a one member LLC. That's something um, it, that is, that's a fact. Um, you do need legal help. Uh, I, I, I would get legal help in the moment you grow. I would not spend money on legal help before I have a client uh, or before I have somebody about ready to sign up with you as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a future client. And um, I would also like go the easy way, create a one member LLC at the beginning or a partnership if you're more than one and more than one founder and think about the, the path of fundraising. That, I mean, when you think about fundraising, when you think about, uh, yeah, when you think about fundraising and everything, then yes, it makes sense to to incorporate, of course. But I don't think this is necessary at the very beginning. And then there's cool companies like Google; they are still LLC. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of things that can be done later. Um, I think at the very beginning, we have to focus on getting clients and 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 create a one-member LLC so we are safe legally. But uh, many founders focus on the, the full thing, you know, like we have to incorporate, we have to get shareholder agreements, we have to do this and this and this. And I'd say if you're alone or only have one partner, then you can um, move a big part of that to a later stage. At the very beginning, I would just have a shareholder agreement within the partner. That's something that you can create pretty quickly and yeah, and so on. So. I would I would say that is one of the, the advices I can give at the very beginning. That's great advice. Thank you. 
Shifting gears just a little bit to your origins and your culture, when somebody asks you where you're from, what do you say? I say Vienna because many people don't know where uh, Austria is. (laughs) And um, for that reason, I learned that when I say Vienna, people people understand, okay, that's that's close to Switzerland and uh, and Germany and and Mozart and everything. Uh, If I say Austria, it depends where I am in the US, uh, people understand or people know that this is in Europe or not. Um, I have to explain very, very often that there's no kangaroos in Austria and there's mountains and, and, and ski and, and good beer and this kind of stuff. And then what I always say is, hey, Arnold Schwarzenegger is from Austria. So that's where I'm from. And then, oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a, a good reference. Country, Eight million people. <laughs> So you've been in the U.S. for some time now, but what do you do to kind of maintain your culture of origin and just like what makes you feel at home? Or do you feel at home in the U.S.? I guess that's the first question. Yeah, I feel at home where I am right now. I'm uh, I'm entering my neighborhood and I'm home. I feel like I get that feeling when I, when I drive home. That's really great. And I honestly, I am very connected to to my family and to my friends um we chat on whatsapp every day almost um we lately don't talk as much but usually we we do that too they come visit i travel a lot so i go a lot to austria it's something i spend my money on and and that that way i feel like i'm i'm not missing out on much um that's that's important to me um and then what I miss to do is to to look for local communities, Austrian or German communities. I could do that. I haven't done that yet. But it hasn't been a priority because I go to Austria a lot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so 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 yeah, that's uh that's 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 my aspiration. But I'm I I, I really feel home. Uh, I like it here, yeah. That's great. So if you have a day where you're yeah. like homesick for something in Austria, what do you do? <laughs> um when I'm homesick, for, honestly, um, when I get homesick, I get a ticket. I, in <laughs> That's a, a good I, solution. <laughs> I have to have it on. Yeah, I have to. I have to have it on my plan. I, it's very likely that I can't go right away. But when I'm really homesick, okay, I make a plan. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. What's a good time to go there? When are the tickets affordable? Uh, stuff like this, you know. Something so, to look forward so to. I make right? a plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, for example, now. Uh, I'm planning for for like when are the when am I gonna, am I gonna go to Austria in 2024, for example. So that's what I do, you know. And then I get a lot of visits too, so that helps. Um, my wife is Austrian too, so she gets visits too from Austria. So we have a lot of Austria going on at home. <laughs> that's uh, good. That makes it easier too. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with the listeners? Um, yeah, if somebody's local to Fort Lauderdale, hit me up. <laughs> Definitely. Sounds good. So if people want to find you, where should they uh, look you up? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Okay. Um, so just my name, Eric Fiklotsky. That's F-I-K-L-O-C-K-I. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really active on, 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 on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, I have it. Not that active. So LinkedIn is the best. And yeah, and if somebody's here locally in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, I'm happy to meet up. Sounds good. Thank you.
Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to episode 68 of the Immigrant Squared podcast in our series, Startup Immigrants. This will be the last podcast for 2023 and the last podcast for this season of Immigrant Squared. Stay tuned for a new series and new podcast episodes in 2024. Happy holidays and a happy new year.